It ain't the left side or the right side. Then it must be the fence side. Good evening, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode here of On the Fence Side with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the FinFanatic.com website and the fan side of network. I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. So quite an eventful day. Day one of the of the free agency tampering period. News is going to start getting crazy here. Already has been throughout the league. Um, and it started out, Paul, with... Emmanuel Agba and Emmanuel Agba re-signs his contract four years, $65 million, and Mike Gesicki also uh, signs his tender too. So he, both of those guys are going to be back in Miami last year. And when you take a look at these unrestricted free agents lists on um, you know, Pro Football Talk, Pro Football Focus, all ESPN, all these different websites, on some of them you see both Agba and Gasicki, even before the franchise tags were put out there, as top 25 free agents, the Dolphins retained both of them. Yeah, and they were the two biggest key free agents Miami had out there. Um, I think it's a little surprising that the offensive line market for Miami has been quiet thus far, even though it's been very active around the league. I know a lot of teams got some last-minute signings out of the way to re-sign players before they could hit the market. Um there's a lot to like with what we came out of today with, though. Yeah, there's some I liked, some I, I didn't like toward the end, and I'll, I'll, we'll get to that. Um, so just sticking with Gesicki and Agba, uh, you know, I was really 50-50 on Agba as far as, as bringing him back. I've always thought he's a very good player, great fit, somebody that you, you signed a couple of years ago. He's clearly outplayed his contract, and I like that he and Jalen Phillips can come off the edge in certain looks. And then you can also pin your ears back and, you know, get three defensive tackles on the line of scrimmage and, and, and blitz from the outside. I I like being able to have both of those looks and now the dolphins are going to, but um, I always said about three years, 45 million. And if you take a look at this contract, if you take out the last year where if you, if, if you just take, the next three years, it's basically a three or $45 million contract where the dolphins are only paying Emmanuel Agba 7.6 million here this upcoming year. Yeah. I mean, it's, you said three years, 45, I said four years and 60 and we were both right in the neighborhood, especially like, like you said, the cap number for this year is 7.6 million. That is phenomenal for a player of his caliber. And the fact that you can really get out of it after two years with I mean, you're going to have a $6.5 million cap hit, but if for some reason he falls off a cliff and is no longer the player that he was in 2024, you can save $12.5 million by, by releasing Agbo or trading him. So there's a lot to like with this contract, and I like the fact that Gasicki's back on his free agent or his, uh, his, his tender. Yeah, and it doesn't look like that's going to be disputed. I mean, he could still, but... He signed it at this point, so we're good. Is that 100%? Like, he can't? Okay, okay. okay. It's you have to dispute it before you sign it. So okay, he got as, it. as a tight end on the franchise tender. Got it. I knew that. Come on, Cat. All right. All right. Um, it's been a long day. <laughs> it sure has. Uh, and, yeah, talking about offensive line, I mean, you know, there's still a lot of really good names out there. I mean, but, yeah, I mean, it, it is surprising that the Dolphins came away with four – 
free agents in day one of, of the tampering period, and not one of them was an offensive lineman. So running back Chase Edmonds from the Cardinals, wide receiver Cedric Wilson from the Dallas Cowboys, quarterback Teddy Bridgewater from the Denver Broncos, and just over the last few hours, cornerback special teams ace Keon Crossan um, signs for three years, $10.5 million. And Keon Crossan was actually drafted in 2018 out of uh, out of Coastal Carolina, I believe, by Bill Belichick and and the Patriots, and he's bounced around the league. He was with the Texans for a couple of years. Um, we'll we'll get back to him in a minute. But staying on offensive line, Paul. Yeah, a lot of guys were signed today. Brandon Scherf goes to the Jaguars. Um, obviously, Orlando Brown and Cam Robinson get the tag. Uh, yeah, I mean. A few guys were signed, but you still have you still have some players out there. You do, and, and on top of that, and 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 just for our listeners out there, because we've already been asked about it in chat, uh, there was a fake rap sheet out there that that tweeted out today that Miami traded a fourth and a sixth for Lyle Collins. No one has traded for Lyle Collins as of this moment in time, uh, but the Cowboys have made it pretty clear they're going to release him if they don't manage to trade him. So I think there's a few standoffs going. I, I expect them to get some interest as far as that goes. But Teron Armstead's still on the market. Morgan Moses is still on the market. Uh, James Daniels, if you want to upgrade at guard or center, is on the market. There's a lot of guys still sitting out there. And, and really what Miami has to do is upgrade the tackle position. We've been very clear on that all offseason. The resources they have, they've got a ton of guards. I know this has come up before, but I'll say it again here. Some of the players on Miami's roster I don't think are lost causes. I think they've been badly coached to this point. So kicking them in, as we've talked about extensively, letting them battle it out like like Highlander for uh, the interior of that offensive line. Dieter is definitely more than decent at center. It's really the tackle spots that are scary uh, at this very moment in time. But the way that they structured Emmanuel Agba's deal allows them to go out and still be able to spend the money to get two offensive tackles in this free agency class. Yes, and also today, two uh, right tackles were released. Uh, Daryl Williams from the Buffalo Bills, he actually kicked inside and played right guard this past year when they drafted Spencer Brown in the third round out of Northern Iowa. And I don't know why anybody ever moves Daryl Williams away from right tackle because Anytime he's ever played left tackle or guard, he's been terrible. Every time he's played right tackle, he's been really good. So that could factor in as kind of a one, maybe two-year rental. Same goes with a, a name that we should be familiar with from the 2014 draft, and that's Billy Turner, who actually ended up going to the Packers, um, signing a big contract with them a couple of years ago. Still a good player, more still more of a run blocker than a pass protector, but you know, if you're looking to just hit those two offensive tackle spots, those are a few names that are also added to the list. And the Cowboys have until really March 22nd to release Leal Collins. I would imagine they would hang on to him unless they really need the money, or if uh, I, yeah, because that's, that's when they have to pay him the bonus, really. So they they probably will hang on to him unless they need the money. I think they'll end up trading him, but right now because everybody knows they're going to release him if they're not able to trade him. It's they're hoping somebody just gets happy feet and and and, and swings heavily 
Well, you know, I think I think if somebody throws a third round or higher at this point, I think they'll they'll blink. But oh, oh yeah, yeah. Every, I, I, but I think everybody's holding back and basically going like, "Look, you're getting rid of him regardless. I'm not giving you better than than you know a fourth or a fifth or whatever." I mean, the trade compensation from that fake tweet was not horrible today. Right, it wasn't, and and I'll tell you, I I agree with everything you said. I don't even think teams are offering more than a seventh right now, to be honest mm-hmm. with you, because they, for the same reason you said, is you know even if it's a fifth rounder, sometimes these fifth rounders, you know, could turn into starters. I mean, not all the time, but you got you know, and once you do that, you know, teams like stockpiling those fourth, fifth round picks more than more more than we, we probably would, but. Um, yeah, I mean, when you look at the it, it, right now, Paul, the way I look at it with the offensive line is, if you're telling me that you're going to nail both tackle spots, shove all the rest of the resources in the middle, meaning you've got Dieter at center, Robert Hunt stays at right guard, and then you've got Eichenberg and Austin Jackson battling a left guard. With the success that Mike McDaniel had in San Francisco, I'm probably taking that at this point. The one thing that I wouldn't do, and this is based on some injury stuff, and I don't want to beat the Toronto Armstead thing. We've talked about it in our last episode. People can check that out from this weekend. Um, I would not want to have, and this is my ultimate would not want, I would not want to have Lyle Collins and Toronto Armstead because I think with that scenario, you're going to end up in a, if, if that's where Miami ends up, they're both very good. They are both very good, but I think we're going to end up in a scenario at that point where we may see four-plus games this season where we're right back with Eichenberg and Austin Jackson starting an offensive tackle, which terrifies me and doesn't justify the signings. You need to have at least one durable tackle, whether that's a Morgan Moses or one of the other guys that are available still on the market. you, You just cannot put yourself in a scenario where you make those premier signings and have to put those two back at tackle again. Yeah, and we're not going to agree on that because I would I would take Armstead and I would take Lael Collins and find another guard somewhere along the way, but put yourself in a spot where, hey, you know, Eichenberg and Austin Jackson have played enough tackle to where they can kick back out there uh, if, if need be. Yes, there is an injury concern. I'm willing to take that risk because I think it's so hard. I think it's so important to keep Tua protected here this year. So we'll and, see. We, we've we've had that conversation. We don't and, and we're agreeing to protect Tua in with different points, and they're both valid. So yeah, yeah, you bet. And that's that's what makes this uh, this conversation fruitful. You bet. Uh, and yeah, I mean, again, I'm not I'm not panicking right now. I, I said from the beginning, you have got to get either Armstead or Eric Fisher. To me, that's those are one of the two mm-hmm. guys you got to have. Joe Noteboom was resigned by the Rams today. He was kind of the more of the sleeper, unproven type guy, but I I don't think he would have been worth that. I mean, so you've got Eric Fisher, you've got Toronto Armstead, you've also at right tackle, you've got Trent Brown and Morgan Moses. You still have Dwayne, uh, Dwayne Brown, who's 37, but still has been a solid pass protecting left tackle as, as far as we can remember. Um, and then at the guard spot, James Daniels, Connor Williams, that class is starting to dwindle. And then at center, you've got Bradley Bozeman, who's the best center now with, with so many guys off the board. Matt Paradis is somebody from the Panthers. I, I, I think that at, even at 32 fits the offense pretty well. So certainly not done here uh, along the offensive line. But 
if we get to tomorrow and we see four or five more of these guys come off the board, that's that's when I'm going to start getting a little bit worried. Yeah, if the tackle position starts looking like where the center position is at right now, that's when I'm going to start going, oh, this is not good. Um, and the interesting thing, too, and, and, and this is a weird signing I'm going to talk about because it wasn't won by the Dolphins here. The signing of the Jaguars, or by the Jaguars, of Christian Kirk is going to eat so much salary cap space across the NFL because they gave him an exorbitant amount of money for his performance thus far in his career. And he's a guy that you remember I pounded the table for and have liked, uh, even back to the, the draft when he came out. But he's almost going to reset the wide receiver market across the board from some of these guys that are available out there and what they're going to be asking for. Devontae Adams is going to get a ridiculous amount of money if if he signs at all because I think he's going to refuse to sign his, free, his, his franchise tender and, and fight like crazy. Um, and it's rumor has it that he's going to be looking for somewhere around twenty-five plus million a year. Uh, this this wide receiver market is going to be insane, and, and the after effects of cap space for these teams out there may allow some of these guys to slide to the Dolphins. Yeah, possibly. And yeah, four years, seventy uh, seventy-two million for Christian Kirk. That could be up to eighty. Uh, oh, wait a minute, hold on. You could go to yeah, yeah, that, that 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 could be up to eighty four million. Yep. This guy's never had a thousand yard receiving season. <laughs> it's it's crazy, but it also shows too that if you're, you know, a former, he was a former, um, he was the first pick of the second round back in twenty eighteen. You know, good size, good speed, checks check marks a lot of boxes. He's gotten better every single year too. So, uh, yeah, but still, that's that's nuts, and I agree with you. Because uh, you've got guys like DJ Chark out there who are Marcus Valdez scandling, who I think people are going to be shocked at what they end up getting over the next couple of days. Well, and 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 I'm willing to bet the Jaguars could have had DJ Chark back for less and help justify the ridiculous spending spree that went on in Jacksonville today. I don't know if you saw it. They just signed Zay Jones a few hours yep, ago. I did see that. Like it's, so. It's, so Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, um, uh, Christian Kirk, Kirk um, Oli Fatu Kasi, baby. Fatu Kasi, yeah. Your your UConn. Oh no, wait a minute. No, he's not. Is he he's from UConn? UConn? You, you he's Foley, UConn and Foley yeah, fully fully Fatu. Yeah, I, I knew that from the Jaguars. Brandon Scherf wasn't. Uh, the linebacker from the Falcons they signed. He's from Yale. So. Uh, yeah. Olafon. He's for he's from Yale. So yeah, they man they spent a lot of money today, no doubt. Um. And so let, let's finally get to the Dolphins free agent signings here today. So they signed four players and the first one, Chase Edmonds. I mean, they, man, they did not waste any time. They, they were clearly eyeing this guy for a while. I mean, I'm, it was like 15 minutes into the tampering period. Uh, he, there, he reached an agreement with the Dolphins. I believe he was the first one. Um, yeah. Two years, 12 million. I, I was a little surprised a at the speed that he got, that they agreed to terms with them on uh, six million. I wouldn't have guessed, but I guess it makes sense. He's 25 years old coming off his best season, 12 games. He had over 900 total yards, you know, two stats that I want to throw out with him are, are uh, two metrics. He is of all the running backs who had over hundred carries last year. He was sixth in yards per carry at about 5.1. And 
pro football focus in the passing game ranked him as a top 10 player grading out. Uh, so can catch the ball, obviously has a lot of speed and, you know, for, for a, a offensive coordinator like Mike McDaniel that has produced so much at the running back spot with so little to go out and spend six million a year, obviously he thinks a whole heck of a lot about this guy. So I like Chase Edmonds a lot. I, I don't think he's the be-all, end-all answer at the position. It's I don't think he... I think he makes up for some speed stuff with smarts because it's he ran what a four five one, I think was one of his best forty times out there. Yeah, which which is okay. I mean, that's that's not that's not great. It's okay though. It, but but I mean, he makes up for some of it with his smarts. But one of the things I saw with him is he's decisive. He does see good lanes. He's not a big yard after carry or yard after contact guy, and he's not a big yard after catch guy in a lot of scenarios. Um. It's, and that's where I do think they still need to supplement in the draft at this point. They still need to try to bring back Duke Johnson. Uh, I think Chase could definitely be a factor for them, and I think he could do a lot of things in this offense, especially with his smarts. But I don't think he's going to be that breakaway threat that a lot of us would like to see. Yeah, Duke Johnson, a free agent and I'm surprised the Dolphins have not brought him back. You know, I know they had the coaching switch, but if you have Duke Johnson and Chase Edmonds at running back, I'm not saying that's that's phenomenal, but I think you've got two very capable running backs, at which point you get into the draft. Yes, they're probably going to add somebody else along the way in the draft, more likely in the mid to late rounds, uh, more than likely, but um, you don't have to draft a running back. You don't have to draft one anywhere, even though they probably would in the middle eight rounds. Yeah, I still would. I still wouldn't pass on a Brees Hall. I still wouldn't pass on a James Cook. Um, and you know, looking beyond Chase Edmonds today, looking at Cedric Wilson, I think some of the guys like Cook that are multiple in the way that they can be utilized role wise are going to be something attractive to this staff. It's because you look at like Cedric Wilson. Just to go to our next guy, he's a guy that not only gets separation, gets yards after catch. But five times in his career, he's been called upon to throw the football. That's gone for five completions, 111 yards, a touchdown. And these weren't freak passes. They were good passes if you go back and watch each of them. So being able to run a reverse with him and have him throw the ball, being able to have him drop back five yards, catch what's really a lateral, and throw the ball down the field to somebody like Jalen Waddell who gets an extra step based on the trickery is another arrow in the Mike McDaniel quiver now moving forward. So guys like that are worth their weight in gold in this offense, and the deal that that he got is is not an exorbitant deal, especially when you look at the Christian Kirk deal, because this is a guy that's had the opportunity to prove himself as he's improved each and every season and really had a breakout year. I agree, and I loved everything about this signing, because I was surprised he didn't get more. I mean, three what three years, twenty two and a half million, twelve million, twelve and a half million guaranteed. Yep. That's nothing. And I'm not saying this guy's been a world beater, but he, this was somebody incredibly talented at, at Boise State. I mean, his his final year at Boise State, he had over fifteen hundred yards. The year before that, he had over eleven hundred yards. He got drafted in the sixth round. I thought he was going to go higher that year, but he ends up going to the sixth round of Dallas. He's you know, buried on their depth chart. He probably would have been a much more 
productive receiver and put up more numbers had they not drafted CeeDee Lamb and traded for Amari Cooper and drafted Michael Gallup. And when he got his chance this past year, he, he finally sh- he shined. And I think the arrow was very clearly pointing up with him. And I'm surprised he didn't get, get more than that in the, uh, in, in the open market. So he can play in the slot, even, even at his size. He's got a little more shiftiness for a big receiver. He's a little bit better after the catch. He brings the versatility as far as, you know, if you're going to call on him every couple of games to take an end around and throw a pass. I mean, yeah, I like everything about this. The question now becomes, does he actually replace Devonte Parker on this team? No, I don't think okay. he does. It's, I think Miami's receiving. I think he replaces Albert Wilson. Uh, I think Alan Hearns is even more of a goner at this point. Um, maybe he pushes Isaiah Ford off the roster, but I think there's roles for both of them. Devonte Parker, when he's healthy, has dominant games, and I think Mike McDaniel has a way to utilize him there where maybe you're not reliant on him being there. But again, it's Devontae Parker at his price point is a steal right now. A steal. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I hope Parker stays because if they trade him, look, you know, somebody who hasn't been able to stay on the field is, you know, is going to be 29, I believe 29 this year. I, I think he's 28 right now. He's going to be 29 this year. Going into his uh, his eighth NFL season, yeah, I mean the the era is not pointing up as much as it was before for Parker. So, yeah, I I hope they do keep him. I I wonder if there's some overlap with Cedric Wilson and Devontae Parker because of their size, especially along with Mike Kosicki. But we'll so, see. And I, I I hope they I hope they keep all of them. What I'll add to that as well is if he takes some snaps away from Devontae Parker. Do you remember a few years ago when Devontae Parker was on the cusp? of basically being cast off and started getting benched for games and suddenly got that chip on his shoulder and started coming in and taking games over. I think Cedric Wilson can be that push for him as well as I think the way that Miami's going to utilize Mike Kosicki this year. So I think Devontae Parker's going to get pushed and I'm sorry, you're you're not going to find a receiver in that 6 to $8 million range per year that's going to do what Mike Gesicki does. Yeah, I think when you look at the value of... Or, receiver, sorry, Devontae Parker. Right, I know what you meant. I think when you look at the value, uh, just dollars and cents of this receiving core, Mike Gesicki, you know, $10.8 million is going to play for this year. Uh, you, you, Devontae Parker, uh, what's his cap numbers? What, eight in, in the 8 $9 million range? Um, yeah. Somewhere between 8 and 10 Jalen Waddell playing on a rookie contract. Cedric Wilson, now you see the contract he just signed. Those are four weapons there in the passing game, and you're not paying any of them 17 or $18 million like a Christian Kirk is going to get this year. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's something to get excited about. Um, Devontae Parker's making less than half of what Christian Kirk is this season. That's crazy. That's crazy. And so now – yeah, I was feeling pretty good about the day. A little disappointed that the Dolphins didn't have an offensive lineman yet, but I, I feel that's going to be coming here over the next couple of days. Then, right after Cedric Wilson, I'm I'm really feeling good about about Agba and Gesicki, Chase Edmonds, Cedric Wilson. Then they signed Teddy Bridgewater. Now, I know a lot of people like this signing. I'll, I'll tell you first, I did not, and 
what he signed six and a half million, which at its at face value is not um, not a bad contract. Okay, I mean this is someone who just over the last few years, you look at at the Vikings, the Broncos, the uh, uh, the Panthers all agreed that this guy was able to be put in at starting quarterback and to plan for that. Now, I don't know if this, that was a good decision, but I do not like the idea of ending the day signing Teddy Bridgewater and Keon Crossan, a quarterback special teams, special teamer from the Giants. When the Dolphins have such needs on the offensive line and middle linebacker and good players out there in free agency, you're going to spend $10 million this year on two players who are not going to play on offense or on defense unless they are forced to have to play. And I don't like that when the Dolphins have such gaping holes on their offensive line right now. The Keon Crossan signing, I'll agree with you on. The Teddy Bridgewater signing, I won't. Uh, and, and here's my thing. Especially... Given the fact that two has gotten hurt before, you need somebody that can come in and start a few games for you. Teddy Bridgewater can do that. He's not good enough to push Tua out of the lineup, but he's good enough to step in and potentially win, you know, and go on that run like we talked about with Fitzpatrick a few years ago, like we talked about maybe Jacoby Brissett could do. They improved the backup quarterback spot for six and a half million with a guy that 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 can come in and win some games for you. I think he had what. 67% completion or 67% completion percentage last year threw for 3000 yards um his touchdown to interception ratio was good and i think he can step into an offense run in the same style as Tua and i think it also gets us away from that stupid stupid third and one fourth and one bring Jacoby Brissett in, in and do something stupid like we did last year and i i know i said stupid a lot there but that Jacoby Brissett short yardage offense was an idiot idiot call last season, and I'll stand by that until I die. Yeah, I heard everything except that he's a good quarterback, and uh, you're paying him no, six I, and a half. I, I mean, that that completion percentage, the touchdown to the interception percentage, I do think he's a good quarterback, and I think he can run the offense if called upon. And you have to have somebody that can step into the role as a backup quarterback to potentially save your season if 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 that's the case, especially. If either A, we may not sign an offensive tackle, or B, we may sign two injury-prone offensive tackles, which either one of those is a recipe for getting your quarterback killed. So we're talking about high completion percentage, few turnovers, efficient play, somebody who can step in if need be and and win some games for you. Mm -hmm. Who does that sound like? I, I feel like we just had somebody like that on our roster. Not Jacoby Brissett. Was it Jacoby Brissett? Yeah, I think we were talking about that one year ago today, and turns out best he, option behind Tua. Then this is the best option behind Tua right now. I I like Brissett. Excuse me. I like um, um, Bridgewater more than Brissett. I, I do because I think Bridgewater is a very very low end starter, mm-hmm. where Brissett was not that. I thought he was an average backup. Yep. So we, we can I, both agree that Teddy Bridgewater is better than if you took and, and I, put, I put this point out there today in, in, in another aspect but if you took the best qualities of the now top three quarterbacks on the Pittsburgh Steelers roster and put them all together to make one super quarterback 
that quarterback is still not as good as our backup quarterback right now. Between Mitch Trubisky, Mason Rudolph, and Dwayne Haskins. That is a recipe for horridness in Pittsburgh. I take Trubisky over Bridgewater, but no, that's uh, that's not a worthwhile argument. Um, no, it's uh, not. <laughs> I, look, I, I, I would, and, and hey, and, but here's the thing about well, Keon Cross and two as far as special teams, we we have to remember too. A uh, Clayton Fedulum, we hope, is going to get the axe sometime soon. So that's a core special teamer there, and then at uh, receiver. Mac Hollins is not under contract. Doesn't look like he's going to be back. So, yeah, they need somebody that can really come in. So if if Keon Crossan can come in and they they feel that he's a lot, he has a lot more potential on defense, kind of as a you know sixth or seventh defensive back than he has shown, and he's a great special teamer. Yeah, maybe he justifies that contract, and they're thinking, okay, we can cut Fedulum. We don't have to resign Justin Coleman or somebody similar to him. We don't bring back Mac Hollins, and Keon Crossan could fill a lot of those different roles. That would make a little bit more sense to me. But still, I don't like the end, ending the day spending ten million dollars on those two players. Well, but, and, and and here's the scenario as well with that. That brings us down to roughly you said Keon Crossan's four million a year, three and a half. Yeah, three and a half. Million I, I've, a year. I haven't looked at the contract how it's structured, but it, it's so, three years, ten and a half million. At a guesstimate, that brings us down to thirty-seven million. You need about ten million to sign your gra- draft class, which brings you down to twenty-seven million. You can clear up to twenty million in cap space by cutting like something like seven players. But again, you also have to take that twenty million not to go down a rabbit hole. And probably for if you're doing that to sign one player, you're probably going to have to sign another six that are going to make anywhere from eight hundred thousand to to one point two million. So. You can clear about fourteen million by clearing those seven at that point. So, sure, it's you know you're still talking about forty million in spendable money, depending on what you do here. Right. I, I uh, yeah, I agree with you there. It's it and and that and that's the thing too about Bridgewater and uh, um, Keon Cross in there too is look if at the end of the day the if if we're sitting here in two days and the Dolphins have signed a Toronto Armstead or an Eric Fisher uh, to play left tackle and a Morgan Moses to play right tackle or Lael Collins. Uh, they've moved them. Uh, they've made it. They've made that work. You're not going to hear a word from me about Bridgewater across because they, they, to me at that point, they did what they have to do. But if I hear that they got outbid on Armstead or Fisher because of a couple of million dollars that they didn't want to spend, that's when I'm going to look at these free agent signings. Like, uh, like Cross and like like Teddy Bridgewater and say you should have you should have addressed and you should have put the exclamation point on your most important two needs that ruined last season. So we'll see what happens there. Um, and and I, I, I fully expect the Dolphins to do that. If if I, I I can't see them going into the into the season or even into the draft with the offensive tackle position, the state that it's in. Yeah, and that said, I would re-sign Mac Hollins at this point. Matter of fact, if if push came to shove, I would literally take Clayton Fedulum's salary and give it to Mac Hollins and cut Clayton Fedulum. And makes yeah. it's I, in all honesty, what I think Mac Hollins is a better special teamer. I think he can impact the game at times on offense, as we've seen. And to be honest with you, I wouldn't be shocked if he could play safety as well or better than Fedulum. Like there is no comparison for me between the two. 
Yeah. So, Paul, looking at the rest of this free agent class here, too, I mean, with with what's left out there, and there's a lot out there. Anything, any one position kind of stick out to you as, as you know, outside of offensive line is really having a lot of value that we think we could get like a week into this here and, you know, the Dolphins could really get somebody of value. I mean, I think there are some deep cuts on the wide receiver position. I think there's some deep cuts on the cornerback position. Um, that said, I was very disappointed when, uh, what do you call it, uh, Devondre Campbell re-signed with the Packers, especially at five years, $50 million, uh, $10 million a season. The impact I think he can have on a game, and I think he could have had Miami. I would have done that you know, every day of the week. Um, I do think that there needs to be something at the linebacker position, even if it's for depth at this point. Um, and, you know, I, I still think we need to draft somebody at the linebacker position as well. Yeah, I agree. And linebacker, yeah, there's that's where I see a lot of value because the Dolphins are looking. Again, if we, we keep bringing it back to comp- – as a comparison, somebody who's better than a Landon Roberts or would be an upgrade over a Landon Roberts. Mm-hmm. And there are, I see 10 to 12 guys that would fit that bill. I mean, now Leighton Vander Esch, because with the neck injury, I, I've, I've taken a step back on him a little. I mean, I, that, that's, that's tough to mess with. But, I mean, Dante Hightower is still out there. I mean, mm-hmm. A.J. Johnson, I'm, who I'm a big fan of for the Broncos. I was just going to uh, bring him up. So I, I mean, Rish. Rashawn Evans, I mean, Lawan Bentley from the Patriots, who's r- really slow, but is is a is a is a thumper. Anthony Barr, you know, uh, Anth- yeah, Anthony Barr. Uh, I- I'm not a huge fan of his because his and I was at he's 30. His athleticism's gone down, but yeah, you've got well, he's he, got he a lot. Come in and fill a role, and you could easily draft somebody that if they're not ready on day one, could easily replace him during the year, and no one's going to freak out. Yeah, I, I for me, I'm staying away from Barr. Just I, I've, I've watched the Vikings defense a lot the last couple of years, and he is, he is so out of position, and I think it, he just doesn't have the, have the athleticism to make up for it. But he is a name out there, uh, so we'll we'll see what he gets there. Um, a couple of other random guys, Ray Ray McLeod from the Steelers probably won't cost a whole heck of a lot. One of the best returners last year. I was hoping the Dolphins were going to get a Cedric Wilson at receiver, as well as either Braxton Berrios, who re-signed with the Jets, who we both would have loved for his price tag of about $6 million a year. I think Ray Ray McLeod is kind of a, a little bit of a step below that, but still one of the best returners in the league and was also improving as a receiver throughout the year with the Steelers, too. He's somebody I'm keeping an eye on. You well, know, la- last I checked, if you're looking for a return man, there's uh, someone that our listeners may or may not have heard of and would probably freak out at. But if you're bringing bringing him in as a return specialist, it might work. Jakeem Grant, I think, is is, is still available. If if you haven't heard of him, yeah, I'm surprised he is. I mean, with yeah, yeah he's the best returner out there. I, I I don't think the Dolphins go down that road again, but. You know, I mean, if, if we're talking just talent, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. But if not, best of luck to Jakeem wherever he goes. I'm always rooting for him. Um, yeah. Uh, also, I, and I, I think it's way too early on day one to get into punters. But if you can take Brian Anger off the free agent market for four million a year, I think you're getting a top four, top five punter. And 
this is a guy that was drafted in the third round. Uh, gosh, long time ago, but I mean, made, made the pro bowl uh, and has a great all around punter can flip field position. I think he'd be the best punter the dolphins have had since probably Reggie Roby. I mean, well, uh, Brian, I don't know, Brandon Fields, maybe, but I, I he, he's somebody I'd be interested in too. So linebacker punter with Brian anger, as well as, as a couple of these wide receivers are, are interesting. Also Rashad Penny, I'm going to throw in there too. Uh, as if, if, if he is not trusted around the league, which I'd understand if you can get him for a couple of million a year, uh, man, I'm doing that all day. Yeah. I mean, and, and a couple other positions that are still very deep in free agency, uh, safety is a very deep position right now in free agency. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, I mean, if and that's where it doesn't make sense to cut Eric Rowe because if you cut Eric Rowe, you're spending the money to, to sign somebody to replace him. Um, like I said, corner edge still has some depth. Defensive tackle still has some depth at this point. But again, nothing that makes sense for the Dolphins in those regards. I mean, really Miami's focus right now, above and beyond all else, uh, needs to be the offensive tackle and, and that linebacker spot. Those are the two biggest needs for this team. I think Miami could drive forward if just with those moves alone. Absolutely. And we're going to, I'm sure we're going to see some, some free agent signings from the Dolphins tomorrow, as well as from the rest of the NFL. We're going to try to hop back on here tomorrow at the same time. We'd love for you to join us. And uh, that's going to do it for our breakdown of day one of the NFL's tampering period with the Dolphins. We have four new Dolphins on the team. And uh, I'm Brian Cat, NFL Pulse Fanatic underscore pick. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social me- social media outlets, as well as the finfanatic.com website and the fan sided network. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.